Welcome back to the Work in Progress podcast brought to you by Work Nicer. On this episode, Alex and Gabe chat with Amanda from Fun. What does Fun stand for? You have to listen to find out. Welcome to another episode of the Work in Progress podcast. This is the first Work in Progress After Dark episode. Meaning, for everybody listening, you can see that it's dark outside. They're not going to get the feel of what's going on, but there's definitely a different vibe in the studio today because uh, we're back to normal daylight hours and it's dark outside and uh, it's a different vibe in here. Yep. And, uh, and today we're talking with Amanda from FUN. FUN stands for Fuck Up Nights. And I'm really excited to have this conversation. I'm here with Gabe, co-host. Yep. Hi, Gabe Kane. And Amanda. Hi. Hi, thanks for having me, guys. How you doing? I'm great, and yourself? It is pretty dark out, but mind you, it's 5.30, so, I mean, it's indicative of the type of city that we're living in. I know, totally. <laughs> and Amanda, thank you so much. You brought champagne, so you're already the number one guest that we've had. I know, I'm pretty talented. <laughs> and uh, why don't you do a quick little intro of yourself for everybody listening? Of course. So as you mentioned, Alex, I am one of the co-founders of Fuck Up Nights YYC. My partner is Shar Savizi. She unfortunately couldn't be here with us today. I'm going to still do an intro to her. She's also an MBA student. She just recently graduated and she's also the director at uh, the University of Calgary for I'm sure she's got a significantly more eloquent qualification or title for it, but I call the Brain Institution <laughs> head of <laughs> research. They do amazing stuff there, and I've been purviewed to some of it. I myself am also uh, an associate lawyer at Asuji and Smith Lawyers, uh, as well as I just recently got the title of Marketing and Business Development. Um, I'm also the co-founder of Cafe Alchemist, who we excitingly just won Avenue Magazine's top ca- uh, coffee house in Calgary. Cool. But I'm also a funds development counsel for the Foothills Hospital and the Calgary Health Foundation. So as a director in there and then Fuck Up Nights, which we have our next event on November 18th, which I'm super excited for. Wow. Okay. So yeah. that, that's it? Yeah, I'm yeah. starting to feel very unaccomplished. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. You what? might think of it, but I'll, as, I'm, as I'm going through it, I'm just thinking of everything I still need to do for each of those <laughs> organizations. Sure. Um, awesome. Well, hey, why don't you tell us a little bit about what Fuck Up Nights is all about? Of course. So Fuck Up Nights originated in Mexico, and it was just a, a group of close friends that got together one night at a bar and we're just venting about their respective careers, their respective businesses, and all the obstacles that they were recently facing. And they came up with this amazing idea to coin an event where people come and share their failures instead of their successes, because everybody shares successes, success stories. But nobody tells the, the root of how the struggles were to getting to sometimes that end point or that success. That success. And so they coined this event in Mexico, uh, and now, currently to date, it's in 300, 300 and some different cities and, and 90 different countries. We came across an article on Fuck Up Nights, and I fell in love with it. I just liked how raw it was. Although I will be transparent, when we first came across it, I was very hesitant because I this is when I was just starting my legal career. And obviously, law firms are extremely conservative. So a new junior lawyer affiliated with something so aggressive and so out there such as profanity but I said screw it I mean fuck up nights is pretty much very much very much so part of my personality it kind of resembled my my loudness and whatnot and I essentially came to the conclusion that 
if a law firm wasn't going to accept me on that on that, uh, then I probably wasn't going to be a good fit within that law firm anyways. Yeah. So we launched the event actually approximately three years ago. Uh, we've had approximately three events per year, three to four events per year, and we've been sold out for all of them. Uh, Calgary's entrepreneurial community is strong. It's, it's large. And I think people are really hungry to know that all of these people that are success stories in Calgary didn't start from that. They had their struggles. They had their fuck-ups uh, along the way. And there's, I think there's something so raw and tangible to learn from somebody's mistakes and failures, um, way more so than any other success story. Nice. Love it. So I'm curious, what is, because people ask me relatively often, you know, somebody was interviewing me for some little article last week and they sent me a message saying, or a, a question saying, you know, what is your biggest failure? Right. And my response was that I don't really believe in failure. Mm. Right. And so I'm just curious to see kind of what it seems like the way that the language with fuck up nights is used or the way that you're kind of using it, it's almost like a fuck up and a failure. It's somewhat interchangeable. And I'd love to understand, is that, is that true in your opinion? Um, and, and if not, then what's the difference? So what do you characterize as a fuck up, Alex? Uh, I would say that's a great question. I think a, the words that come to my head are, are mistake, uh, could have done better. Uh, something that results in a step backwards versus a step forwards. That's what comes to my mind when I hear of what do I classify as a fuck up. So this is, I'm going to want to rewind you back to what was your very first business? My first business would have been, you know, when I was probably in high school and I started selling and installing car audio for people, even though I didn't know how to do it. So that probably would have been my first thing where, you know, I sold a, a product and or a service and got paid for it. Uh, but my first real company didn't come till a little while later. So did you ever mess up or make a huge mistake in that, in that exchange or in that transaction yes. uh, where you felt like a failure almost, or I really fucked up? The second part, yes. Yeah, okay, not yeah. the first part. So, okay, so I always, uh, and this is actually highly indicative of the type of speakers that we attract, but these people, and a lot of them, including myself, actually, uh, the more businesses you get involved with, I noticed uh, that first failure that you ever had, it stings, it hurts, you create self-doubt, you question yourself if you should keep moving forward. Uh, but something pushes you to keep going on. Then the second business comes up, and then the third business comes up. And, and as time progresses, uh, you no longer think of these alleged failures as failures anymore. You just think of them as, okay, this is an obstacle. What's the solution? And I need to face it, and I need to overcome it. I literally had a speaker that that's going to be speaking on November 18, and this woman has owned multi-million dollar businesses. By the age of 26, she sold her first company for $60 million. So she's a serial entrepreneur beyond belief. She looked at me, she's like, I, I don't have any failures. I don't have any fuck ups. I'm mm. like, that's physically impossible to get to where you are to date and not have any of those and not to encounter that. The only difference is, is your mentality towards them. Yep. It's how you approach them now that's different. When you were younger and your first one, you probably were so enshrined. And that's actually our objective. It's 
it's these these successful individuals they don't longer even see these failures as failures anymore they see it as a problem that needs to be solved how do i tackle it they're very proactive and that's our objective of fuck up nights you have so many junior newbie entrepreneurs that are entering the marketplace now more than ever and they're honestly faced with so many obstacles and they see these obstacles as failures because they haven't had enough time as an entrepreneur in order to become or to develop that line of thinking and our objective is to bring these really successful be people back to the beginning in which they felt that failure um, and to really make it resonate with the individuals in our audience saying this is just the beginning and by the way this isn't even going to be your first failure you're going to have so many more coming up next you just need to change your mentality it's mindset it's not a failure it is an obstacle that needs to be solved a problem that needs a solution uh, and the sooner you start to train your line of thought uh, in that regard, the, the sooner that you can solve it and get past it. Let me jump in. I guess, I guess, yeah, you make a good point. It depends on how you frame it. Like no time have I failed or messed up that prevented me from moving forward and, and you know, keep going and trying. Well, I'll give you an example of one of the fuck ups I had uh, at an earlier age. We had a set due date to launch a product and I had been working really hard. So my father owned a, a company where we sold hair products to hairdressers across Canada and the United States, but also had distribution channels as well with other distributors. One of the uh, most difficult tasks, and I was young, I was in my first year of university or second year of university, and he gave me this great task of working with a chemist, developing a formulation for a hair product and then sourcing the bottle, designing the artwork for the bottle, so everything from scratch. And so I remember getting my first sample, and technically we had a, a due date for this because it was supposed to coincide with other products that we were supposed to be launching at the same time, which was a hair extension line. And I remember receiving my, my sample in the mail, and we're supposed to be at this stage probably six months from launch, and I received the sample, uh, and I gave it actually to my business partner for Fuck Up Night, Char, at the time. And this was, like I said, years and years ago. And I told her, please try it. I got my, my first sample, and let me know what you think. So one day goes by. Two days go by. Three days go by. I still haven't heard from her. So, And this was like a two- or three-year project in the works, right? So I sent her a message. I'm like, hey, I, can I get the feedback? Like, what's, what's going on? And she sends me a message and she says, it's heavy, dot, dot, dot. I'm like, he that's it. Two and a half to three years worth of work and that's the best feedback I get. So I had one sample left and I, I went, I jumped to the shower and I used it and it wasn't heavy. It was glue. I practically must have glued her hair together, <laughs> including Whoa. my own at that stage. And curly hair, it's really hard to get out of. So uh, at that stage, you just mentioned two things, disappoint. Uh, I felt like I was, and this is probably one of my huge failures, the amount of money we've invested at this stage. Um, my father so badly wanted to have his launch date and I felt like I, I failed him. Uh, I glued my girlfriend's hair together. Um, and I, I missed our, a huge deadline, huge deadline. Like there's so many of our distributors that were waiting on the sidelines for this product. Uh, and I, was no, I wasn't gonna meet it anymore. Um, so I had to come to terms with the fact that this wasn't going to happen at the scheduled date. 
uh, confessed to my dad that I had created glue, very expensive glue, in a bottle, <laughs> and and we had to go back to the the drawing mm. board and and get it done. I will say, in that story, I'm assuming you were not the chemist, and uh, and so I'm. <laughs> no. And you don't want to trust me with any of that. <laughs> so I, I I would have hoped that the chemist at least had the expectation not to make glue, and that he somehow. <laughs> had some kind of expertise to accomplish that goal. But so going back to the example of the lady that you're going to have at, mm -hmm. so I don't know if that's secret or who's supposed to be there. So I won't say it, but I think I know who you're talking about and I can absolutely see how she would say that. Like, I don't have a fuck up. I don't have a failure. And I think that that's what I want to dive. So what is it? Cause you asked me the question before about you know when was the first business when was the early failure whatever did you feel right because then you ask like did you feel like it was this monumental thing and i would just and i want to try and figure out like why is it that no right like i didn't necessarily feel that way right like, i never and i've i've had some really heavy moments in life and i've had some really big difficulties and obstacles but I've I don't know if I've ever truly honestly felt in my in my brain and in my heart that it's a failure mm -hmm. like I've never associated it that way and that doesn't mean that I'm like holy shit how am I going to deal with this? this is a huge problem I've got a massive fuck up to deal like you know it's not like it's been super easy all the time right but I've never been like oh that's I've failed. Why is that? Well, because you never give up. That specific individual that we were referring to, I'm not too sure if I'm allowed to disclose them either. <laughs> Actually, yes, I can. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because I just realized they're technically announced on social media. So it's Alice Reimer. Perfect. Yep. Uh, and when I remember during our first meeting, she, um, God, she's so inspiring. But I remember in our first meeting, I, I asked her what's what's uh, what's your failure and she or what's your fuck up and she's like I don't think I have one. It's not a failure necessarily or it's a mistake for you, right? Mm -hmm. Because and I think the reason that you don't perceive it as a failure is because you're so solution oriented. You're yeah. you're let's get in there and okay, this is a mistake on my part. How do I solve it? You mm -hmm. see it as a, a problem to be solved. But you have to also take a step back and this is kind of more or less where I broke it down for Alice. It may not, it's your mentality, it's your approach, but you have to take a step back and consider essentially our audience members. Got it. Um, for them, if they were put in the same situation that you were in, it would not have been a mistake. It would not have been um, something small. It would have been a failure and it would have made them walk away at that point in time. Mm -hmm. Not everybody is that strong-minded or that resilient. And, and that's our objective essentially at fuck up nights is to to portray the mindset of some of these really successful entrepreneurs and to illustrate um some of these failures that they're even going with through right now just you need to change your mindset i don't want to say pivot because i hate that word so much these days yep, agreed. <laughs> but uh you need to change your mindset uh and you need to instead of seeing it as a failure and that i need to walk away from this instance or this project altogether or this job you need to get back in there and find the solution to that problem. If you're really clear on the objectives that you're trying to accomplish, mm -hmm. right? You're like, in order for this thing to work, these, uh, you know, objectives need to be met. And mm -hmm. often within this time frame, 
And if that is not met, you know, then there mm-hmm. are often uh, disappointments, expectations that weren't met, whatever it is. Yeah. And um, and yeah, for sure. Don't get me wrong. I think I think in every failure, there's always an opportunity to learn from that and and to move forward in some way. I I absolutely believe that. But I don't know that it's necessarily healthy to reframe the whole experience and say, well, that wasn't a failure necessarily because I, I think sometimes it's okay to say like, we set out with this objective, we had this in mind, we didn't do that because of these things. I think the danger is internalizing it and saying there's something wrong mm, with me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm bad, mm-hmm. right? But just yeah. just understanding the factors that went into it that that made it so we were not able to achieve that that objective. Is that yeah. fair? I think it's fair. And and for the record, I'm not trying to say that, and I'm not saying necessarily that you were accusing me of this, but mm-hmm. I'm honestly just trying to like learn and understand because like that word to me is just like, like when I hear failure, it like you kind of said before, it's like. To, it has this finality to it, right? And to, in, in my brain, it's it's so final. It's like done, over, game ended. And in my brain, all it's about is just to continue playing the game. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's what the game is. That's what success is to me. It's just like, I just got to keep playing the game. It doesn't matter which route I have to take or whatever. And that's just my brain, which is admittedly pretty fucked up, right? Surely there's been times in your life where you've set out to achieve a certain something and yep. and did not. Correct? I've been there. I've been there when that's happened with you. So. Sure. Alex, watch out. He's going to call you out. I see it. <laughs> sure. You've missed a goal. Whether or not you, you label it as a failure. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that, you know, I think, I think the objective is to, you know, try to get people to the right mindset, just like you're saying. By the way, I do need to heavily emphasize we celebrate failure. We yeah. celebrate fuck up. Thank you. Yeah. A perfect example. Yeah. Actually, let me let me take let's go back to another entrepreneur, which she didn't use this actually as her story, so it may be rather private, so I won't indicate her name. But she had a business prior to the one that she currently owns, which is an extreme a, a huge success. And the previous business that she had uh, was with a partner of hers, and it didn't go as well as she planned, breakdown in relationships, um, product issues, and so she eventually had to shut down that business in its entirety. And probably at that stage, and at that moment, and on that day, that was her failure, for sure. And she'll say that was her failure, that was her fuck up, she should have vetted her partner a lot better, she should have vetted certain products a lot better, uh, and they were close friends and it actually ended up breaking down their relationship because yeah. of the struggles and the turmoil in, in the business. And I mean, maybe there's a reason why legally 80% of businesses that are own partnerships usually fail, but hmm. that's a whole other, a whole other story. But at that, that moment, the day that she probably shut down her, her first business, uh, I can assure you, she felt like it was a failure. Hundred percent, totally couldn't uh, agree more. Now, I, I think worth pointing out in that, right? I mean, you probably know the stat better than I do. What is, uh, what percentage of businesses fail within the first five years? Do you know that stat? I don't. It's high though, right? Yeah. It's like, they say it's like ninety percent or well, something along those lines. Let's, we're making up a stat on the spot, so let's just play it safe and say eighty <laughs> percent. I don't know, right? But but the point is, you know, we hear that a lot, and I think that holds people back because they're afraid of failure. But that's not to say that 80% of entrepreneurs fail, right? Because, yeah. because most of the time, just like that situation with me, with, with so many others, you try, it doesn't work. 
and you might lick your wounds for a little bit and then and then move on and try something else and so i think that stat of like x number of businesses fail within the first five years that you know that doesn't mean that these these people are forever failures in most cases they're not mm-hmm. they learn from it they move on they pick up and, and i think just defining like uh I really like your mission because I think what you're trying to get across people is like, you are not a failure. You know, you can make these mistakes and look at all these people who have made these mistakes and they're not a failure and you're not a failure. But uh, here's just that instance was a fail. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that you shouldn't be defining yourself through that one, that one um, obstacle that you face. What you should do is take a step back, reflect on it figure out why it failed. It could have failed just because it was a bad idea, but yeah. there's lessons to be learned in every single one. I think the key is just maybe getting across like how many things people need to try to actually like find combinations that work and are sustainable. Mm. You know, we, we just need to try so, like, so I'm a marketer, we run digital uh, campaigns and ads and, mm. and there's a shocking amount of things that don't work, you know, that, that we, we try and have to iterate and change and, and just depends on, you know, Alex is right. It depends on what, what your focus is. Is it, you know, if we're staying in the game, we're going to find a solution. We, and we do, if we look at it on, on the, the micro level, we're freaking full of failures all the time, you know, but, but we eventually figure out, I, I like to go to the gym. I go to CrossFit. I fail freaking every single morning, <laughs> you know, like I, you and me both. I, I, I don't like to make eye contact with the treadmill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not there to make friends. I'm just, but like I fail like every single morning. I, I don't get, you know, do what I hope I would have done. Right. And, um, but I win for showing up and, uh, yeah, I guess it's just a matter of focus. Yeah, I think. And, I love what you said back, you know, how you talk about you celebrate failure and you celebrate fuck ups. And I think that is the key because honestly, we, as a team, it's part of like training for our team where it's like, you have permission to fuck up. We say that like verbatim, right? You have permission to fuck up. You know, we talk about, let's try and not make it so it's recurring. Let's create systems and processes. So it only happens once and that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, you know, it sounds like the word that's being used here quite interchangeably is obstacles and problems, mm-hmm. right? And that's what I love to hear because it's like, it's tough because I truly, as as much as it can be hard and it can be difficult, I love the struggle. I love the problems. I love trying to figure it out, which is why as like difficult as the pandemic has been, and I've experienced panic or anxiety for the first time in my life during all this. It's like, I, I perform my best when my back is up against the wall. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, and you've probably seen that too, even out on the doors. It's like, you know, totally. I'll go and pull it out at the last minute because I have to, I'm a procrastinator by nature. And so I don't know, it is, and it, it this whole conversation also reminds me of this, um, Mark Manson, uh, wrote a book, um, Oh my gosh. The, what's it called? I don't know. Oh, it's uh, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Right. And, oh uh, yes. Yeah. I've sorry. Seen and yeah. in it, uh, he says, he's like, happiness comes from solving problems. Right. And it, and I think that's true. It's like, there's no greater feeling than overcoming the obstacle. And I think that that's kind of why it's like when I'm in it, as much as I really don't want to be in it, I'm just, I'm so fine and so comfortable in it and maybe that's what you're 
this the whole conversation is about is like trying to help people understand like get comfortable with that discomfort and reframe failures and fuck ups and these obstacles as uh, as this brutal negative or this impossible thing to overcome. It's and you know to anyone listening, just, you know it is almost never it has never in my experience been as bad as I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Truth, totally, mm-hmm. absolutely, ever. Well. I will say this: There's been some failure stories we've had on the stage where it was pretty bad. It, it, it was worse than they expected. Like, oh, yeah. Wow. So actually, and it's one of my favorite stories, and he's actually one of my favorite entrepreneurs to this day. Um, it's Iggy Dolmogalski, and I say that with uh, almost like an Italian, and he always says it's not Italian, Amanda. So you you roll the the letters, but. Um, he's the CEO of Tundra Process Solutions that just recently got purchased out, and his story was so epic. So Tundra does boiler systems um, for the oil and gas industry. Among many other things. Yeah, yeah like that's, just, does a lot. that's yeah. like a tip of the iceberg, right? Yeah. They, he's, he's such a, and not only that, by ah. the way, I, I, he's such a talented, not only entrepreneur, but also human being. He's so compassionate still and so humble, such a, a down-to-earth person. And it's always, it's always a joy um, getting together and having a conversation with him. But his story, they put one of their units inside a high rise when it was realistically only tested for mid-size uh, um, oil and gas companies in, in Fort Mac. And, um, but it was translatable, obviously, because all of these high rises have, have boiler systems for their, for their units. And they underestimated one of the elements, the pressure uh, in this high rise. And what ended up happening is it bursted a little hole and he had the actual unit that caused the problem right with him um so it had a a little hole in it and it leaked diesel fuel all in downtown calgary oh so haphazard showed up had to do the cleanup all of downtown was shut down and at the time when his company was valued at i think two million this is when he first started he got slapped with a three million dollar lawsuit from the city of calgary for the issue um Luckily, he had a good lawyer, <laughs> uh, and uh, he, everything was managed. And then, as time has progressed, he always says that some of the current existing companies that wouldn't do business with us now, all the CEOs have been recycled out. So now they don't know the the horrible story. Uh, and he still has that single unit on his desk till this day. And it was just getting back up and 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 facing the problem. But it, that lawsuit could have bankrupted his company easily, oh, yeah. yeah, in a heartbeat. Um, and so I think, I think some of the fuck ups and he definitely says that it was a failure, but the objective of it was to keep moving forward at the, mm-hmm. at that stage. Because totally. also as, as an entrepreneur that owns a company that employs so many people, there's a lot of people also relying on you, oh, yeah. right? Uh, for their jobs and, and for their careers. And that was actually my biggest issue during COVID when we had to do lay- layoffs for at the cafe. It really bothered me because some of these people that you work with become like family and it's very difficult to to put them in that type of a position um but it's uh it's it's unfortunately what sometimes businesses had to do in order to even remotely survive and obviously having open lines of communications with their employees uh they all came back we all have we have our great team back together again our little family but it was uh, some serious obstacles that people had to face unfortunately 
But there was something that you, one of you had said that just triggered something, and it's this romantic image of entrepreneurship that has been publicized so much. Like, I remember seeing an it's interview. It's not romantic at right? all. Yeah. <laughs> right? Nope. Yeah. Anybody that's an entrepreneur sees some of these posts that are happening that says, work hard, be an entrepreneur, make millions. And you laugh because that's not the reality of the situation. Or I saw an interview with, I can't remember who the entrepreneur was, and it was a, a young kid in high school that stood up and says, I want to be an entrepreneur. And when the entrepreneur looked at him and said, why? He's like, well, because I want to be rich. And it's such a misconceived notion. They've romanticized this whole entrepreneurship, but it takes, it, at the end of the day, it takes a very special person, or I don't want to say special, different person to really pursue entrepreneurship because entrepreneurship isn't your nine to five job. It's not your 10 vacations a year. It is working, I don't know, sometimes four in the morning all the way until one in the morning for a series of time. Uh, it's exhausting. It's being responsible for the, the lives and responsibilities of other individuals. Um, it's about persevering through every obstacle. Uh, and that that is something that always has bothered me. And that is one of the reasons why we also launch Fuck Up Nights. Because some entrepreneurs and some young entrepreneurs see these other entrepreneurs and they're like, oh, they just um, they just opened up and instantly started making millions. Yeah. And where our objective is <laughs> to show that that's actually not the case at all. No, no. And if you're pursuing entrepreneurship uh, because you think that you're going to work nine to five and be a, a, a wonder and a hit, you need to know what actually goes into this because that's actually not the truth at no. all. And there's and there's factors that sh that come up that you did not see coming. Mm -hmm. You know, no one saw COVID coming. No, no. one's you know, and and there's you know, I, I've I've had some. I've had some rough times in business. You know, we had, uh, man, oh man, this is, you know, this is going back. But you know, when I was in custom software game, and we had this one client that was just like killing it we we developed this amazing suite for them and they were just needed more and more resources we're hiring more to you know facilitate and all this stuff and then all of a sudden they stopped paying and they're, they're mm. not it's not because mm. of them because they all their eggs were with one basket as well i'm not going to name this company because it's uh anyway um still in existence <laughs> yeah it still, still exists they decided they want to own the software they did kind of a hostile takeover stop paying them they were paying them seven million dollars a year they were paying us quite a bit of that and um but it's in a real really rough spot no one saw that coming you yeah. know and then what do you do um yeah and timing like uh, we have another great story that somebody's sharing at our, our next event and what derailed their two things derailed their entire business model the first one was 9 11 they were literally about to sign. Actually, I think they did sign the contract, but the large company said, go ahead, take us to court. I dare you. Uh, it's not binding. Uh, and then the other one was um, a change of CEOs. And then they completely dissolved a division and that their division was that part of that business that they had developed with this company. Yeah. It, there's so many unknown factors that come into, come into play. I always say you just have to... I don't know. I, maybe it's also very problem oriented I, I'm analogous to you Alex where I, I thrive I love challenges and I love being put into a corner mm -hmm. I'm the type of person where you'll put me into a corner and I'll find me, meeting a deadline if it means me not sleeping for three days I'll do it very unhealthy by the way I don't advise <laughs> it <laughs> <Yeah>. hallucinating has <laughs> occurred on a few occasions yeah. <laughs> but uh, put me in a corner and I, I'll, I'm, a, I'm a fighter I'll find a solution even yeah. if it I die trying essentially and and so I do thrive in that in that re regard, but 
sometimes it, it gets overwhelming. Sometimes you you struggle quite a bit on how am I going to get all of this accomplished? And sometimes you just need to sit down in fetal position in a corner. <laughs> right. <laughs> and those, those cries help. I'm just putting it up there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and honestly, because sometimes, sometimes the path isn't clear right away either. Right. Of course, so yeah. you, you keep moving forward and you hope a path shows up, but sometimes it's just not clear, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Yeah. Well, and a lot of what you're teach what you're talking about here, I think there's, I believe there, there is a difference between an entrepreneur and a business owner. Yes. And I think that that has become this like very fluid conversation and that's fine. One is not better than the other. They are different things. And, um, I think that people think about being an entrepreneur, then you're, I don't think you're an entrepreneur. Like oh, it, yeah, it's, of course, it, it yeah. is in you, right? It is innate. This is part of your DNA, the way that you think it's like, because it's not about, you know, it is about that journey and that process and continuing to keep moving and solving problems also by the way that's life i don't know when we got into this because it's like whether you're an entrepreneur or not it's like your your life is just full of problems and obstacles and things that you have to overcome right and so i think for some reason people think that that's just not supposed to be the case if if you think your problem is for someone else to solve you are probably not an entrepreneur yeah oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) But I will say this, I've had some people recently in my, in my close circle where they have a problem and instead of, um, instead of reflecting on it, they start to, when they get overwhelmed or, or stressed, they start lashing out at everybody. They take, they take it out on everybody and hold on. COVID has obviously amplified that for everyone tenfold. So I always say at this stage, please be patient with people because, uh, they've gone through a lot in this last few years, but they don't self-reflect and they don't, they don't understand why they're so overwhelmed and so stressed. And so this, and usually those types of people are not going to be the most ideal entrepreneurs and the most ideal leaders because leaders is not about, uh, and by the way, I'm not saying that I'm a leader, but I'm saying it, a leader does not go around blaming you're at blame, you're at blame, you're at blame. No. A leader yeah. takes control of the situation and says, okay, I get that there's a problem. How do we find a solution for it? And I don't care who's at, who's responsible for it. Uh, at the end of the day, life needs to keep moving forward, right? Sure. And so I find that there's a, a lot of personalities and it's also very stressful. I mean, Alex, you guys, you have to tell me, like, I've been the one that's been sharing failure stories, but oh, come I on. Oh, I got plenty. Yeah, I got lots. come on. I need the goods. Like, I know that you guys have faced obstacles. You guys have built a, a phenomenal organization, and I imagine that there's lease agreements that didn't go your way. Um, oh, Alex is saying nope. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, yeah. not at all. Especially during the pandemic. I mean, not yeah. not that long ago, like at the beginning of this, talk about obstacles um, and stressors and, and not knowing what to do. I was... Uh, I was on the phone with bankruptcy lawyers. Yeah. And I was sued corporately and personally. Um, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, there, you know, we had 20 something people on the team and, and we built a whole business on bringing people together. And that was me largely illegal going back. I mean, every count gave, like you said, like we, we've been through, uh, many an obstacle together. Totally. That's the thing is it, and it's just, it's relentless. Yeah, <laughs> it never ends, and I think people think that once they reach a certain stage, that all that stuff just goes away. No, and I think really money just people think that money will solve it, but the reality is, is that the more successful or the more money you have, the problems just become bigger, harder to overcome, and more expensive. It yeah. just doesn't stop. Yeah. 
Yeah. It does help, you know, now that I think about it, like I've got so many. I've got, you know, but, yeah. well, and I've got so many because I keep trying so many things, right? And and I'm trying to grow myself and, and go into, but yeah, we had, we had to screw up last week with a client and there was a, there was a mess up on, um, on a decent amount of ad spend and, and ad accounts. But um, ultimately, like you said, it's my screw up. It's my company, right? It was uh, it it was being overseen by one of my employees, and um, and he came to me and he he owned up to it. He's oh, like, good. this, you know, this is this is what <laughs> happened. And I think what what Alex mentioned earlier, like creating a safe space for people to, you know, like. I get it. I understand. And we got on with the client. We're like, this is exactly, you know, here's what happens. And this is why, you know, this performance got messed up this week and, and we moved on and, and, yeah. and it didn't stick to anyone. It's not like you were a failure or you were worthless, right? It's uh but having that environment is, is really great. I always tell my teams uh, on across the spectrum at all. It doesn't matter what you're, I don't care what you're, if you fucked up, we all fuck up, but transparency and honesty is huge. Come and admit it and take responsibility for it. But then I also, okay, fine. It's one thing if you admit that you took, but how do we solve it and solve it is yeah. what I ask. Uh, I don't want you to also just take your problem and pass it on on other people. If you screwed up, that's, that's great. How do we solve it? And, uh, and also take responsibility and assist with the problem and, that, that type of ownership also empowers people so much more, especially within your own company. They take responsibility. They know that there isn't going to be like, I'm not going to get yelled at. I'm not going to be penalized. My job's not going to be under threat. So they can offer that creativity in, in solving the solution themselves. And by that way, you're really creating a team that's almost like little management in, in every department. You're empowering them that much more and you're yeah. really allowing them to grow. And, and that's the objective with embracing failures and fuck-ups. Like by not penalizing your team so aggressively over the smallest failure and giving them the opportunity to solve it, you'd be amazed at what you can grow and what you can you can nurture mm -hmm. within your own corporation and your own companies and also independently as individuals. You're giving them those necessary tools that they need in order to really contribute to the entire process of the company and people need to stop shying away from failures and people mm -hmm. need to stop punishing so so heavily for failures yeah. sure turning it into a learning lesson is i think really valuable the, the toughest ones for me i'm curious what you guys would have to say on this the the ones that sting me the most that i emotionally wear for years um are the ones and maybe this is just how my brain is wired I don't like to let people down. Yeah. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if I have, if I have made a commitment somewhere and let someone down rarely, if ever, because of lack of effort on my part, I will, I will Double die. down. Oh yeah. 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 But where I've let people down, those ones sting me and they scar me emotionally for a long time. I'll share a little bit of a specific story that I've shared a number of times with people when they're super stressed, especially about money. And I think this is something that could be considered a fuck up or a failure. And so this was when I was starting my own alarm. So Gabe and I have known each other for, what do we say? 16 years. Yeah. The other day? yeah. yeah. Long time, uh, ups and downs in that relationship. Things are great right now. Yeah. <laughs> for now. You can't be with somebody <laughs> for 16 years and not have obstacles. <laughs> no, yeah. but, um, um, 
eventually, uh, I wound up starting my own security company here, or an alarm company here in Calgary, and I didn't know what I was really doing, much like my entire life, right? I think I'm constantly going through trying to figure out, well, what the fuck am I doing here? And um, anyway, long story short, I we we're working hard, doing doing fine-ish, but um, I, I didn't have great money management skills, didn't have an accountant, a bookkeeper, any of that kind of stuff, and racked up, you know, 40, probably 40, 50K worth of credit card debt, and didn't know how to pay it. I'm an entrepreneur trying to sell, trying to run a team, you know, make sure that they get paid and all that stuff. And, you know, we're trained in society for like that to be the worst possible thing that you could do as a human being. Like, holy crap, you've got all this credit card debt. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, yeah, didn't know how to pay it. Um, Super stressed out about it. I'm calling up the credit card companies. I'm saying, hey, work with me trying to refinance the debt say like listen like I'm, I'm good for it you know like i'm i've made a commitment i'll do this and it was you know they just like no make the payment make and eventually they wrote it off or not wrote it off but they sent it away to collections and i'm like fuck this is it uh all this credit card debt uh my credit score is totally screwed and i don't know what i'm gonna do because that's what we've been trained to think. We've been trained to think that's it. That is the be all, the end all. And as it turns out, that's not totally true. <laughs> um, I ended up settling that debt for around twelve grand. Yep. Negotiating. So I'm like, yep. that's a good deal. Yeah. And then it, it turns out it taught me to just live within my means for a while. Right? And it's it's this thing where that would be the end mm-hmm. for people. It'd be totally crippling. Uh, you would be defined by it. You would have that self-doubt, imposter syndrome, whatever it is. And at the end of the day, nothing nothing really in my life changed. My friends were still my friends. My family were still my family. My business was still my business. And I moved on and I did other stuff. Exactly. Right? And so... To me, that's like, and I, and so in the moment, you know, it's like, yeah, like this is, this is, I don't know, like that does feel like truly one of the worst things society says, like, you know, don't screw up your credit score no matter what. Make sure you always pay your bills, at least the minimum payments, blah, 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 blah. Right. So I didn't do that and that showed up. And so I don't know. I think to me now that, and that was probably one of many formative things along the calibrating items along the way that has truly made me believe or have the mentality that I do because I'm like, there's so far anyway, you figure it out, you find this different, you this different mentality and this different approach to circumstances that society tells you that you should feel otherwise. So, I mean, that would constitute, I mean, you don't want to characterize that as a failure, but majority of people, like you just said, if they were in those exact same circumstances based on societal norms and and how society has set us up, that would have constituted as their failure. They wouldn't have been able to survive that, and they would have walked away from being an entrepreneur altogether. And our objective is to essentially, with fuck-up nights, is to say, hey, these instances occur, and now look at where he is today, Mm. and we'll look at where he took... He took those lessons of that failure 
and has applied it now to his current day-to-day operations and uh, maybe he doesn't rack up 50 grand more debt <laughs> or probably more now that would possibly bankrupt his company. Yeah. Uh, he's realized, yeah. hey, you can negotiate debt. <laughs> he probably uses this to his advantage. Yeah. But all of these obstacles and lessons that you face, you you apply it right now to your current existing legal entity. Well, I'm sure it makes you better for it. Oh, yeah. You remind me of another one, actually, funny enough. I mean... Um, Uh-oh, they're coming out of the woodwork. So well, <laughs> like I said... Pace I got, yourself, people. I've got, <laughs> I've got tons. I've got tons. <laughs> But um, so Alex and I were involved in another startup together and we um, at one point decided to start up a, a GPS tracking company. Remember yeah. that? Mm-hmm. So uh, fleet management and um, GPS tracking in like vehicles and stuff. I was going to say, why does it sound familiar? Oh, I don't know. Oh. So so we uh, we got in that space. We, we put together some technology, hardware, software, package, and, uh, and we thought it was going to be a whole lot easier than it was, didn't we? Um, we did, and but we were also like doing kind of okay. Yeah, that's we had true. some good clients, like yep. municipalities, big business, like brands that you rec- household names. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So we got those, but we were still hemorrhaging money. Yeah, <laughs> and, and 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 everyone needed kind of custom this and that, and uh, and it wasn't it wasn't making enough money. Yeah, it wasn't making enough money, and it was eating up a whole lot of time. And so I put a lot of things on hold while we were trying to make this thing all you know work. And then it came to the point where I'm just out of money. You know, we can't survive anymore. Yeah, you know? yeah, I'm just out of money, and and that was tough. That was really, really tough pill for me to swallow because um, up until that point, I had been a performer in in a number of areas, you know, mm-hmm. and and making, you know, what others, my peers would would have considered very good money and and a certain lifestyle and things, and then trying the startup and hemorrhaging money and and then being out of money and having to borrow money um, to just make you know some ends meet and mm-hmm. that was tough that was that was really really hard so mm-hmm. but again not so hard that I wasn't able to find a way through it and um, and I did and I found a way to make some money for a while and I'm like maybe I'll just try this this nine to five thing um, and 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 it was cool. That was not for me. <laughs> um, you know, a friend, a friend swooped in and uh, CEO of a, of a, you know, mid-sized oil and gas services company and brought me in as an executive there and they paid me well and good relationships, but it was just not, you know, I, I needed to be an entrepreneur working on some stuff, but it, but it, it got me back on my feet, got yeah. some savings in my pocket and, you know, for me to jump out again and take on the <laughs> yeah. next project. Right. And yeah, but you know, and actually, I do have a question to pose to you. It sounds as though you guys have taken on a lot of these, these business, these businesses together, uh, experiences together. I have to ask, how's your relationship survived? Because there's a lot of people that, not even a single instance would have destroyed uh, halfway through one of these examples. Oh, we haven't have. even told you the bad one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's yourselves. <laughs> well, no. There's there was there was a time we had we had quite a falling out and and came back together um, over you know uh, just expectations and um, without going to but but we always loved each other you mm-hmm. know and so we we came back we came back together um, and. and like being around each other and have been around each other in a number of different ways. But I, I will say this. So as that company that he and I were working on was failing, we were looking for office space. Mm-hmm. 
And while we were hunting for office space, we're like, how can we afford an office? How can we make this work? And and Alex is like, well, you know, if we got a bigger one and then got some other people together, you know, and the, they could maybe cover the rent. And we're like, I'm like, okay, yeah. So we went and checked out a few places and uh, one on 17th. And um, remember that, that oh, basement yeah. one? It was great. Yeah. So we checked out a few of these places. We're like, we could build this out. We could put other people and then they could pay our office rent. And I'm like, all right, all right, cool. And then I got this like, you know, pretty good job offer. And I'm like, Alex, I got to go. I got to go take this. You know, yeah. I, I, I need I need some money. And then he started working nicer. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's well, and awesome. It, and I love it's it. funny because uh, there was a company in town, The Commons, that was a client of my security company before too. And so we actually tried to get an office here at this building we're in right now, which is now a work nicer location. Yeah. yeah. That is so cool. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. And they didn't have room. So and they didn't have room for you guys. No, no. So we went and made room. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> by buying the place, hinted. Yeah. <laughs> eventually, eventually. Came, eventually came back. Yeah. You came back and bought it, but, but yeah, yours, you know, that's quite a, you know, yours, Work Nicer is a spawn of a couple of struggling startups looking for some space to work out of. It is. I yeah. love it. That's an amazing story. And it should be shared more often for <laughs> sure. <laughs> I think you're right. I think that there there's a lot of really great stories that, um, you know, I'm guilty of just digging in, right? And just going and going and going and not having that conversation or even recognizing it for what it is, right? I think I just, actually, we just had Work Nicer's sixth, sixth birthday was on Friday. Oh, wow. Right? And the team was like, we got to celebrate. We got to do a party. I'm like, nope. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but we did anyway. It yeah. was awesome. <laughs> and, With uh, or without you, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> this is happening. Well, and the reason is, is, it's like, first of all, I just, I don't, it's not about me in my head so much. It's not about me. It's not about work nicer. It's about, it's the members and the people that have supported each other and built this community. That's the only reason we exist. And, um, I'm just so focused on what's next. And I look at these like a birthday celebration as like, well, what's behind us. Mm -hmm. But I also acknowledge, especially because it ended up happening in some form or fashion and it was awesome. And it was really valuable to reflect and take a minute and kind of fill the tank again. Right. And so, um, anyway, to that end, I think you're right. It is, there's a lot here that can be shared to others. And I think we do. And, but I believe this about everybody, right? That is the whole, one of the big, uh, reasons that this podcast started is because I truly, truly believe that no matter what stage you're in or what your experience or your background or your history or, or how sexy the story is or whatever, is that everybody has something to learn and everybody has something to teach. I think that there's mm -hmm. perspective there. And so, um, you know, I, I, what my point is in all this, I'm not exactly certain, but you're probably right, is that there's there's a pretty neat story here that should be shared, but um, I think I'm guilty sometimes of downplaying that and that it's like, hey, this is just me doing my thing. Yeah, I think, um, I I actually relate quite a bit to that. I, um, as soon as I accomplish one thing, it's on to the next and yeah. on to the next and on to the next. And it's because you're technically responsible for so many people or so many things that you become so enshrined in the day to day. Um, I do have, I mean, I have great partners. Um, my husband's amazing. He sometimes pulls me aside and 
we need to go for dinner because you just got this promotion or we need to go for um, a celebration because you just got director or something and we need to celebrate it. But I'm not focused on celebrating it. I actually, I don't need to celebrate it. I need to... I need to start working on it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I become so stuck on that. But no. this story, the story that you guys shared with me is so impactful. Like two guys struggling literally out of money. The only way that they can get office space is to get other people to pay their rent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and well. look at the business we're in now. Work nicer. Like uh. that's that's beautiful. <laughs> well, you know what's so funny? Just and to- how many locations now? Uh Six, six, I think six locations, and just think every single company that's here could very well be in the exact same shoes you were previously, but you've created a home for those companies and that's businesses, it. and I love that so much. And it's to be around other people that are going through the same thing. That's the whole point, yeah. right? Is that like you are like our whole tagline is that no one succeeds alone, right? You that, are yeah. not alone in this. Um, but to your point, you know how this came out of this. The only way we could afford office space was to get somebody else to pay for it. And so it's just a funny story. And this isn't necessarily a failure, but a funny story of like the origin is that, you know, I, I found uh, 10 people that were in a business group that uh, I was a part of. And I said, Hey, I'm thinking of doing this little office thing or whatever. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm in. I'm like, great. Uh, just sign this agreement and send me like an e-transfer or you're like your first month and your last month. And then they actually did it. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit, I don't have a company. Shit, this is working. Well, I'm like, I don't have a company set up yet. I don't have a bank account to deposit these e-transfers. I guess I should probably do that. And then I took that and literally took that money, turned around, and that was the deposit on our first month on the lease for the space that we we're moving into. And so it was literally just this one month ahead thing the whole time. It wasn't a bunch of savings and it wasn't a bunch of fundraising or investors or any of that stuff. It was as bootstrapped as you could get. Um, and that just reminded me of that story when you said, you know, the only way we could afford office space was to get someone else to pay for it. I love it. That's, yeah. that's so perfect. And now it turned into this brilliant, brilliant business idea, which can house and home all these other individuals to pursue their own dreams. Do you know what I mean? They can't, oh, yeah. they can't afford a massive office space, but they're onto something and they should continue pursuing it. It's amazing. It's like, this is home to 850 plus members now. Wow. It's like a, that's a real number. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. Like, I mean, just, you just keep rolling the dice, don't you? Having people just keep going. Yep. Right. Yep. You just, you just keep rolling the dice. You just keep working as hard as you can because universe just has a way of kind of bending towards those who work hard. And I think so too. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's another thing I, I notice. If you really put in the sweat and the tears, something will come out of it. Like you may not have been able to have that successful company that came out of it, but you learned something so valuable out of that experience that I can assure you when you take the time to reflect on it, learn from it and apply it to the next, you will have uh, a win. Uh, eventually and you need to keep moving forward and keep getting up and keep solving those problems and just like you said keep moving forward I was chatting with someone on Friday who was chatting with one of our mayoral candidates who did not win Um, and uh, he also happened to be in this podcast studio a couple weeks ago Um, uh, do we want to share who I don't know if I should you know because this is a secondhand story so I feel Mm -hmm. you know but but anyway so this there's only like three 
options. Yeah. So, <laughs> so pick, anyway, pick one of them. Um, so, you know, so this secondhand story I'm getting from the person who's sitting down and chatting with this, this guy is like, ah, oh, you know, he, he's, he's at this weird spot, right? Cause he's, you know, all his friends and family thought that he was going to be mayor, Yeah. you know, and now he's not. And I'm pretty sure I know who you're. Okay. Talking. Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> you have a one in three guess. Yeah. <laughs> and what do I, and what do I do now? Right. Yeah. And, um, and if, feels like he's starting from scratch but i'm you know i'm hearing this guy telling me this story and i was like he's not starting from scratch no you know he's no. he he spent you know quite a while as a counselor has all these net you know has has all these networks <laughs> there's now two options yep. yeah yeah <laughs> process of yep. elimination <laughs> yeah and so again take this for what it's worth because it's second hand you know yeah but um but is that what they were saying? That they feel like they have to start again? They yes. don't know what to do with their lives? Yes. See, and like, oh, wow. You're so much farther ahead. You have no idea. There's going to be so yeah. many opportunities that are opening up that you just can't see right now because you're licking your wounds. That's yeah. exactly it. And there's one thing. Don't get me wrong. I understand that with every big loss or every big failure, licking your wound, sure, it takes some time. That's not a problem. But the worst thing I think anybody can do is when you start victimizing yourself and start being like, oh, I... Because I think that just amplifies it. I think that just makes it 50 times worse. Like, let's take a small instance. Oh, yeah. And when you start being like, oh, poor me, poor this, you're never going to get out of it. No. You need to stop that right away, and you need to sit back, relax, figure out what you le can learn from this process, figure out the contacts you probably developed, and get back in there and figure out what your next move is. But I that is one thing that I see people do where they start playing the... And I don't want to necessarily victimize, I, but they get become so enshrined in that poor me scenario. Mm -hmm. It's very, it can be very toxic and it can really hold you back, especially if other people are feeding into it. It, it further uh, facilitates that type of mentality. Yeah. So what if someone is in that? So, cause guaranteed. Oh God. <laughs> oh, right. Guaranteed. Yeah. Someone's failure has thrown them into a funk. Dare I say depression. Yeah, mm -hmm. right? yeah, yeah. So now what? I mean, so I'll, I'll say this. I'm really harsh Me for too. people like that. So my sister, Get over yeah, it. Yeah, no, actually, <laughs> actually, actually my sister will, my sister actually, she'll call me some days and she's very upset. Uh, and by the way, rightfully so. She's a, she's, her first year of being a surgeon in Ireland was during COVID. So literally thrown into like the worst disaster yeah. on the planet. And there's some days she would call me and be like, I don't know if I can do this, blah, blah, blah. And, and I would literally tell her, I'm like, okay, I understand you had a really rough day uh, and you're entitled to please go get that bottle of wine, drink it, shed a few tears, and then it's time to smarten the fuck up and get back to work. Yeah. Because if I hear you one more time going to school for this long, pursuing a passion for this long, and you're thinking about walking away over my dead body, do you think I'm letting you get on that plane? Yeah. And then she's like, oh, okay. Okay, I'm sorry. You're right. <laughs> I need to smarten up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I have friends that are, they just sit there and, and oh. hold on, there's, there's some really traumatic, traumatic scenarios. I mean, oh, I'll even put this out there. I my last year of law school, I lost my I lost my mom. Um, she passed away, and the law school was just not very cooperative, and they weren't telling me if they were going to give me an extension. And so I had to fly back to Canada, bury my mom, have her funeral. Where were you? 
I was in England. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. our objective, my husband and I, after England, was to move to Dubai. Because mm. I had secured a job out there with a law firm, um, and they use a lot of UK law for international resolutions. Mm. Um, so it was an ideal platform or education to pursue at the time. Um, but derailing from that conversation. Uh, so I remember going back because I wasn't getting a clear response of an extension after two weeks. And I remember going to uh, going to the library. And I, I actually, I have a very bad thing of like oppressing emotion, very much so. I I deal with it, but I don't deal with it. Like mm-hmm. yeah. I just, I'm like, I, Amanda, stop feeling sorry for yourself in time to, to truck through it. Mm-hmm. But I was in the library and I'm going to tell you right now, when you really oppress <laughs> emotions, they're going to come out whether you want them to or not. So I'm sitting in the library and all of a sudden I look down at my paper and it's wet and I'm, I'm like, did I spill a bottle of water? Like what's going on? I realized I had tears falling from my eyes and I didn't even realize it at all. Hmm. So I packed up and I went to, um, I went to my apartment uh, and I started having a breakdown and I started feeling sorry for myself. It was really rough and difficult. And I called my boyfriend, husband now, uh, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so upset, blah, blah, blah. And I'm never like that. And so my, my husband's panicking. He doesn't know what to do. So he calls my brother. He says, oh my God, you have to call Amanda. I think she's about to drop out of law school. I'm in my last year. I have two exams left. Like, <laughs> um, So my brother calls me and he's like, hey, kiddo, what's up? I'm like, not much. I just, I don't know what happened to me today. I just randomly had a breakdown. He's like, okay, are you done with your breakdown? And I'm like, I'm sorry, excuse me. Are you done? Do you have a good cry? I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay, smarten up, get back to it. Uh, you didn't come this far to only come this far. It's, it's time to finish it. Didn't get dressed uh, up or nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and your mom, and also he, I mentioned this, mom would be really pissed off at you if you dropped out right now. Mm, I'm like, yeah. who said I was dropping out? He's like, I don't know. Mason called me back. Yeah. <laughs> but respectfully, I mean, I think, and I, I've had girlfriends that have come to me and they're breaking down and, I, and I'll, I'll be that shoulder to cry on for sure. But okay, where's our, where's our solution? Where's our problem to get you out of this? Like yeah. you can't, I'm, I'm here to listen to you cry and I'm, I'm here to be there for you as a support system. But that's the first hour. The second hour now is, hmm. is coming up with a strategy and, and problem to get you out of it and to take the next steps and put something into action. Because you, if you let somebody relish in their misery, it won't stop. Somebody needs to kick them out of it, I find. Whether yeah. it's themselves or somebody in their lives. To push yeah, them. there might be some value in feeling it for a while. Yeah, you know? of course. And yeah, you got to let it out. And I don't know about you, but when people come to me, uh, they're like, oh my God, are you okay? Are you okay? It makes me emotional. It makes mm-hmm. me relive things. It makes me... Maybe I'm not okay. Emo- yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe I'm not. Should I be crying? Should I, should I be in a disaster? Versus the the people that have been closest to me or the people that really understood me i mean the example that i just gave you i i have uh her name's brenda hannigan and i will say her name till the end of time because she gave me the best advice and this is during the exam time i went to her office and just breaking down the legal principles and she knew she knew what i had been through and she asked me how how are you doing and i'm like um i don't know i feel like i'm struggling a bit and she looked at me and she's like you know what, you're just emotionally tired, but you're gonna get through it and it's time to buckle down because if anybody can do it, it it's you. And stop giving in to the, the, um, the 
the sympathy. Yeah. It's time to it's time to buckle down and, and get it done, uh, and then you can go home and have have a good a few months. And she was right. I went home, had some time to myself, but uh, at that moment in time, I needed to get something done. Uh, and she put into perspective, and it, it's those moments, it's those people that push you. It's the those types of that those moments when you feel like you're just gonna break, and somebody just pushes you that much further. The what I learned from myself during that period of time and how far I can push myself, mm. uh, I use that to till this day. I always say, okay, well, you went through this. On times that I'm struggling, you can go through more, kind of deal. So is that a takeaway then? I mean, uh, here's what I'm hearing when you're saying that. I'm I'm hearing that if you feel like you are a failure in the moment, get someone you trust to help give some perspective on this. Try to get, you know. Oh, always. Yeah. 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 I, I say don't pick people that's going to coddle you. And it's just, I say sit down with some another entrepreneur. Sit down with somebody, uh, mentors, guidance. Reach out to people. Like there are so many entrepreneurs on this planet that would be happy that are in the struggles that you're in right now. I mean, mm -hmm. you've created an amazing and beautiful environment. Work nicer. I can assure you within your community, there's people that have been in that very moment and all they need you to do is reach out and they will be happy to offer guidance. Um, what's uh, Alison Grafton, um, the CEO of Rockwood Custom Homes. Can I possibly tell you how when she comes to our events, she literally gives other uh, junior entrepreneurs her cards and says, you call me, we'll figure out how to turn your business around. This is a woman that's running a large wow. enterprise and she does make time for them. Uh, I, I know one business where she's literally walked into their business because they didn't call her intimidated by her. I mean, she's a very successful woman. Um, and they walked into her business. It was a spa and said, you haven't called me and we're supposed to review your finances together to turn your business around. Wow. And this is somebody that felt like she was about to go bankrupt uh, during COVID. And she did. And she helped her. That's like awesome. There's so many entrepreneurs out there. I know for myself, if somebody were to contact me in the legal industry, they do it all the time, asking for guidance, law students, uh, individuals for cafes that want to open their own businesses. I have no problem spending time just to even go through my struggles uh, or to put things into perspective for them. But sitting down and wallowing for months and months is not going to get you anywhere. You need to, like I say, it, we're all entitled to that going into that corner and fetal position and crying for a few hours sure. or days. But then after that, what's really going to pick you up is, is coming up with a solution. But I mean, yeah, failure is a matter of perspective and, mm -hmm. you know, getting around other people who have a completely different perspective and might see your problems from a completely different vantage point and be like, oh, why don't you just do this? You know, why don't you, exactly. just, why don't you just do that? You could uh, make a world of difference. I remember hearing a story before, you know, a story about, you know, father and son, you know, the son's in the backyard trying to move this big old boulder. And he's like, Dad, I can't do it. And he's like, well, you didn't use all your strength. He's like, I did. I did use all my strength and I could not move it. He's like, you didn't use all your strength because you didn't come and ask me for help. Oh, I love that. You know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, using all your resources, right? Um, anyway. I love that. That's I, actually brilliant. I really like that. And truthfully, that's probably a great place to wrap up. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um. Amanda, thank you so much uh, you. for coming out. This is fun. We're a little bit later than we thought, but... Uh, I told you I could talk. <laughs> but you know what? That's not because of you. That's because Meg's tried to put us in a corner, and 
and then Meg's left. So <gasps> take that. How dare she? Um, Amanda, you said that there's an event coming up. When is that again? Yes. So we have November 18th. It's unfortunately already sold out. We usually sell out our events. Uh, but my next one's already online and it's on March 24th. Uh, and it's booked with the team at Work Nicer uh, oh. because we work closely with them. Hint, hint, wink, wink. <laughs> um, and we're really excited. This, uh, the venue's phenomenal. Uh, the people are phenomenal. Um, and everybody's there to share their fuck up. So don't come guarded and feel free to share. It's a more relaxed environment. And there's amazing entrepreneurs that everybody can meet at the event to learn uh, and to build your network as support team. Cool. That's yeah. awesome. Thanks, Amanda. We'll see you there at uh, yes. each and every event. And definitely check out Fuck Up Nights YYC online and uh, buy tickets early. Definitely. Thank you guys for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.